Dave Onestead hanging out with Mully and Ha on 670 The Score. Mully and Ha, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We have Coach Wanstead here on the uh, the hotline, the score hotline brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And, and Dave, we mentioned before the break, uh, Jalen Carter, you know, one of the weirdest things we've seen coming out of a, uh, of a combine, a guy, uh, arrest warrants issued. Apparently he talked to the bears on Tuesday night and, uh, and then Wednesday morning, he, the arrest warrants are issued and then he's back in Georgia on Wednesday night and he appears and, and does the mugshot stuff and, uh, and gets released and he's back at the combine on Thursday. Uh, obviously, unless the char- the charges are misdemeanor, they're not felony. And unless that changes, it probably wouldn't influence his draft status. But I'm just curious, how do you handle a player like that? You know, how do you talk a big game about character and about uh, your culture and all this stuff? And then you you have an opportunity to take a guy who is an extremely talented player, but there are character issues. So it's a tough one. I mean, but, but at the end of the day, and I don't know the circumstances, I haven't talked to the kid, but, but at the end of the day, if the kid just panicked and made a mistake and, and he wasn't involved in any criminal activity uh, so to speak, it's a misdemeanor. It's going to come down to if the guy comes up here and makes six tackles opening game, guys. <clears throat> you know, it's it's going to be on to the next week. Who we play next? I mean, let's be real. You know, that's not going to linger around uh, like maybe as much of a quarterback who's going to be the face of your team. I mean, if he's a defensive lineman and he comes in here and there's no charges and he made a mistake and he plays lights out, and the Bears are happy, and they draft him, and he shows up on time for training camp. I, I do think, you know, he, he does it, – it takes away any any wiggle room for him, as we say. <clears throat> you know, you, this kid can't come in here and hold out, okay? This kid com, can't come in here and show up late. Uh, or this, You know, all those little things that you might give a rookie a little bit of leeway uh, and understand – I think that part of it would be gone. That would be bad for the kid. He's got to come in day one. He's If they draft him, he's got to come in day one. He's got to be here early. He's got to stay late. And he's got to play up to his potential. If he does that, I think we turn the page and we move on. Interesting, Dave, because I think that's the football <clears throat> perspective and that might be the prevailing sentiment around the league. But I want to ask you this, though. Does your risk-reward calculus change based on whether or not you're drafting Jalen Carter first overall or maybe even second if you move back to number two versus whether you're at nine or lower because different different uh, spots in the in the first round carry different sort of maybe responsibilities or or different kind of risk yeah I hear what you're saying David but I think at the end of the day I I personally would not worry about that if if we move down to four and we take them or we move down to nine and we take them uh, it's you're still taking him in the top 10 pick, and you're going to have to live with that, okay? The guy's got to be a big-time player for you to win and, and, and avoid the criticism. So I don't think uh, – I wouldn't see it that way. I really wouldn't. I mean, we got to decide, do we want this guy? Is, is it 
Is he the player we want? Is he going to fit in with all the things you talked about earlier? You know, all the character things. Is this, does, does he check all those boxes? If he does, he's the type of player we want. I, I wouldn't worry about if I took him second or if I took him ninth. You draft the kid, and now let's go. Dave, is there kind of an unspoken uh, reality here with uh, with the Bears having this draft pick that they they would like to load up with future draft picks so that if if things don't work out with Justin Fields, they have covered themselves. In other words, they probably it would be best if he was great and he makes this next step jump and he's throwing the ball like crazy and they have protection and weaponry and everything's moving forward. But if there is a holdup for some reason, if there is something that goes awry, you'd have enough ammunition to get back in the quarterback sweepstakes in 2024 or 2025. You know what, Molly? I, I read something about that or someone made a comment, and, and my first thought was, boy, that's that type of thinking is above my pay level, okay? I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, and, I, and, and, and I'm serious. And I, you know, I, I am focused on what do we got to do this year to try to win a Super Bowl. I mean, that's the way every coach needs to look at it. That's the way the players are looking at it. You know, if a general manager or a team president or if an owner is thinking, you don't ever think if this thing doesn't work out. I, I, I just don't come from that school. I have a very, I, I couldn't even, like I say, I couldn't even put that on my plate for a discussion. What, what do you mean it's not going to work out? If it's not going to work out, let's trade the guy right now. What are we talking but, but about? That's, but, Dave, devil's advocate, isn't that Ryan Poles' job? Isn't that his responsibility to protect himself and also look ahead while, while, while not neglecting next season? I think what, what I heard from Ryan Poles in all of the various interviews that he has done consistently is this big-picture, long-term plan to sustain success this is not somebody worried about winning enough in 23 to win to keep his job this is a guy who's I think looking ahead to you know the next three to five years you've always said it's a four-year window or so that's realistic and I think that's what he's looking at well I I think David you gotta you gotta cut that in half the comment that you made okay looking ahead and having those extra picks and and building for the future Excellent. I love that. I, I, I can digest that idea. Okay. I, I can handle that. But if there's uncertainty, but if we're keeping these draft picks because there's uncertainty about our quarterback, uh, now that's a completely different reason to have extra draft picks. To me, that's, boy, I, I can't, uh, I have a problem with that side of it. If you're telling me we're all in, we know, we are convinced that Justin Fields is the guy then, hey, we, yeah, sure, I love the picks down the road, and, uh, you know, that's all makes sense to me. But if you're keeping picks down the road because you're, you're afraid that Jalen Carter, if we draft him, that he might be a bust and he might not be a good kid or Justin Fields might not be the quarterback we think, boy, that's – I have a tough I, – I just I, – I, I can't – that's not in my mindset. I can't uh, – that's above me, I, just the way I've been brought up. Um. Dave, I want to go to back to Orlando Brown for a second because this is a talented player who is entering kind of the peak of his career. He'll be 27 years old. Those are ideal numbers. Um, Now, maybe he doesn't match perfectly with your time frame if you believe it's going to take you a couple years to get there. But you have to spend money. There are limits to the amount of money you cannot spend. They got $100 million. Wouldn't it be better – 
to get a decorated player who who has uh, had success in the league than to kind of roll the dice on some other guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I just look around. I don't see yep. a ton of options on the free agent market that are worthy of uh, of the investment, whereas this guy is is a pretty uh, – a, a, a pretty again, you know, maybe he didn't have a great year last year, but he's he's a pretty celebrated player. He, he is, and, and and I think decorated player would be a great term. And he's not an old player, right? Uh, you know, and I'm of the belief, and I've said it with you guys several times. If I'm going to spend money, I'm going to spend money right off the bat on some offensive linemen that I'm confident can play. I think it really comes down to this. Ryan Poles knows this kid as well as right. anybody from being there. Is he the type of guy? Forget about the money. We'll spend the money. I mean, if I'm Ryan Poles, I'll say, I'll give you the money you want. Is this the guy we want? You know, is he the person? Is he the player? And going to come in here, and he's going to be here early, and he's going to be the example that we want. Because uh, once you bring a guy like this in, uh, I think, who did I sign my first year or second year? Andy Heck, when I went out and Bears had never right. spent money before, and it was like two and a half million bucks or something. And we brought Andy Heck here, you know, but Andy walked around with a and, and, uh, different guy. Andy is the type of leader that you knew you were getting a heck of a football player. You were getting a winner. And this is a guy that the Olin Crutes taught, you know, the lineman back then, Big Cat, that they could look up to this guy. And this guy's going to be here early and stay late and do the, the things too. So that I can't answer that about Orlando. I hope so. I want him here. It would be fantastic. Ryan Poole's got to answer those questions. I, I think also, Dave, I'm, I'm curious, as an old-school football guy, when you see Ryan Poles be as uh, visible and vocal as he has been, and I, and I want to uh, commend him for being you know, that good of a communicator, but he's also now been the one out of – it's words out of his own mouth, Dave. He said that he can get a first-round pick in 2024 and 2025. He's setting the bar. What do you think of that as a football guy? Was that surprising to you that a general manager established what he can get for this pick? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think – I mean, when Bill Tobin was here, he was the personnel guy when I was took the job here. Uh, that was probably the biggest thing that Bill Tobin was. I mean, the confidentiality and keep things in the house. Well, we were at Dallas. I hate to refer back, but, I mean, it's – it's true. The night before the draft, when we had the number one pick, I was sitting in Jimmy Johnson's uh, driveway with Jerry Jones. We had we had been out, uh, the whole crew of us, uh, and uh, and Jerry turned to me in the car. Nobody was in the car, and he says, "Is, is Jim? What's Jimmy thinking? Is Jimmy? I mean, so my point is, the <laughs> night before the night before the draft, Jimmy." You know, I, I, I kind of knew which way he was going to go, but but he wasn't talking about it with Jerry, and it wasn't public. I mean, we, we uh, you know, that's the other side of it. And I think maybe that's the old school, David. Maybe that's the correct. But I know the Bill Tobins of the world, the Bill Polians of the world. Boy, they, the guys from that era, everything was held real close to the vest. Anything that you might do, any you know, whether it's trade, whether it's picks, whatever it might be, it was uh, – and it, it was frustrating because a lot of times assistant coaches used to tell me, you know, God, we don't have no idea who we're going to draft. No, they won't, even, you know, we, well, we don't know. Did you know, you know, after the draft, did you know you were going to draft that guy? We had no idea. That's, so, that's great news to me. I mean, I, I guess because I followed you, Dave, and, and uh, 
I, I mean, that's the way it's supposed to be. I always thought you don't want to leak anything. You don't want teams, get, you know, and there's a lot of scouts out there, no offense to anyone, that are kind of phone scouts that want to make sure that their buddy likes the same player they like. And, you know, yep. you could, that's how teams trade ahead of people. That's how you jump into a draft knowing that a team's going in one direction or another. You got to be really careful about who knows your business. Um, let me ask you this one, Dave. I, I was David and I were talking about it a little bit earlier. Um, the Bears have money to spend, and they need to put together a football team. We know that the age you want your players. We know Ryan Pace has been very open about wanting to build through the draft. But there is value in what you were talking about with uh, uh, with with Andy Hack. There is value to bringing in players that are good players that are good for the locker room. And that maturity in the locker room can help, even if it doesn't jibe completely with the time frame of, of when you're going to be good enough to compete. It, it's important that people see how hard the, the game is and how hard people work to maintain their, uh, their, their, their career. Is it, is it time for the Bears to maybe add a couple of veteran players, maybe bring in – a couple guys to help them win, even if uh, they're not going to have a great year. I don't think there's anything wrong with that because, again, I come back to maybe this is the year you do win. Aaron, it sounds like Aaron Rodgers is going to go to the Jets as yep. of reports this yep. morning. I mean, that you know that's a big window that's going to open up for the Bears within the division I'm getting to. So uh, how do you know it's going to be three years from now? It might be this year. Crazy things happen. You know, two other points that I want to throw out here before you guys turn me loose. Coming out of the combine, we're talking about Jalen Carter. In my mind, in my mind, there are less defensive tackles that would be possible, possible impact guys than what I thought. Okay, this is just my opinion. Hmm. There's, there's more defensive ends, edge rusher guys than what I thought. So the list, my list is double after that combine workouts and everything of edge rusher possibilities, but the number is less as far as defensive tackles. That's one thing to, to think about. The second point, you want to get Orlando Brown's offensive line coach, you want to get a guy on the phone, call Andy Heck, who I mentioned. He's the yep. offensive line coach at Kansas City right now, but not through the last two years. You know, get a hold of Andy on the phone and uh, let him talk. That's a good idea, Dave. Well, have to, you have to pass along his number after the show. <laughs> so, I'll, appreciate I'll the send, tip. I'll send, I'll send it to you right after. Dave, <laughs> Dave, I want to ask you this. That's a great point about the, an insight about the edge rushers versus defensive tackles in this draft. And I wonder, typically, in your experience and looking at the Bears this season, this, this month, would it affect the way you approach free agency, depending on who's available in the draft? Or to those, do you, do you try to keep those as separate as possible because you don't want to be overly influenced in the draft based on the way you approach free agency? No, uh, it's all together. I mean, that's a good point. It all works together. If you can sign two, you know, great defensive linemen, you know, I don't know who they are, then it would definitely change your thinking in the draft. I mean, absolutely. You're trying to get the best players that you can possibly get. At least in my mind, whether it's free agency or draft, let's get the best guys that we can get. And don't underestimate my man from Pittsburgh, okay? Cansey, yep. the defensive tackle. This guy will not play in a lot of schemes. But in Matt Eberflus's 4-3 scheme, 
where those defensive tackles need to be playmakers. This kid from Pitt could be a fit down the road. Keep an eye on him. If you uh, do not acquit, uh, Jay, never mind. I, I like the fit in Pitt. Uh, Dave, so, so help us out. So, you know, you're sitting here and you're looking at this, and I understand it's all, it's all linked together. But if you are at the uh, Combine, if you're uh, Ryan Poles, and you see what you have seen, Dave, that there are fewer defensive tackles than you imagined, does that make that position of higher priority? Does that mean you got to get one of those guys first? Especially, the, by all accounts, so, some of those numbers coming from the edge rushers were unbelievable. And it seems like you for rounds, you'll yep. be able to get guys that can contribute and help. And they, they were running like linebackers. And I guess maybe some of them are small, but nonetheless, that is pretty. That's pretty. That would change the way you would con- contemplate the draft if you felt there were a lot of players at different positions, and this is your only chance high in the draft to get a guy. Yo, hundred percent. I mean, picture us all sitting around the room. I mean, it's really, you know, let's take it down to the basics here. We're sitting around the room, and we got the free agent defensive tackles, and we got the draft defensive tackles. And now we say, who do we have a shot at, guys, that we can sign and help our defensive line inside? Defensive tackles. Well, there's nobody. We can't sign him. He signed back. He got tagged. Okay, so there's really no major upgrades at defensive tackle. How about who are we going to draft? Well, if we don't take this Bryce kid from Clemson or the big guy from Baylor or the kid from Pitt, it's Jalen Carter. There might be three guys that can come in and, and we know are going to be an impact. So... We better take, we, we got to do something. We got to get players. So, you know, it may force them. And, that's, and I was talking about the guy, Cansey, from Pitt. Yeah. And people were talking about him now that he was going to be probably a second-round pick. And now people are saying he could get into the bottom of the first round because there aren't enough quality defensive tackles. You know, he was ACC player of the year and ran like a madman. So, I mean, he's, because of the numbers, he moved up the board. Dave, how scheme specific are you when you're drafting, though? Because a guy like Cansey does fit in a lot of four-three schemes, but does that mean that it's only restricted to teams that run certain schemes? And how how dangerous is that because of how short these coaching tenures tend to be? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I mean, he's in that same mold of Aaron Donald, Russell Maryland, Warren Sapp. He's that type of player. That's who he is. And Warren Sapp would not have been a nose guard in a three-four scheme. He warrants up need to be lined up on the tackle. Same thing with Russell Maryland, on and on and on. So he def- kids like players like that, in my opinion, they Chris Zorich, those type of guys, the undersized defensive lineman has quickness. They've got to be in a certain scheme to be most effective. To be most effective. Great stuff, Dave. Thank you. Really, really enjoy the conversation. Thanks, Dave. Okay, guys. Good talking to you. That's Coach Wanstead. He's fantastic. Brings it every week. Yeah, He's got something that makes you think every week. I'm I'm really surprised a little bit, again, how – I'm not surprised. He reinforced that how a lot of football guys will be looking at the Jalen Carter situation. Yes. They're going to get past it in a hurry. They're going to get past – I'm sure they're past and, and it his, he And he's colored more by, I think – and I'm not speaking for Dave, but I yeah. think his experience in knowing how teams will react to something like that yeah, affects the way that he has an opinion about what what to expect. I I hate to say this because the shock of that is over, and now it comes down to what the reality of the criminal charges are, 
And if that if they remain as in the fashion in which they are, will the kid have some problems? Could there be a civil suit? Whatever it might be, I don't think this would preclude a team from drafting him very high, especially as we talk about the uh, the absence of of a player like him and the the rarity of a player like him in this draft. You're right that the shock is over, and I do think that it, it's a good reminder of why we need to be careful not to overreact to certain things because I don't disagree with anything you said, but it's not based on necessarily how I might feel. It's more about what we have seen from experience well, that's, that's and how teams will about. behave. It's how football it's, people it's, will it's look at it. It's the way they look at yeah, it. No question. It's the way they view the world. All right, 312-644-6767. That's the telephone number. It's Mully and Haw on the score. For us, it's passion for the game. And that's the cool thing about these interviews is kind of once you, you know, break the ice with, you know, the darts and the putt-putt and, and guys sit down and you throw the film on, you see this body language from the guys that it's, like, different. They get to the edge of their seat and they see the play and like, damn it, like, why you? Why did you pick this play? And like, you know what play this is? We yeah. haven't even hit start yet. Right. Like, yeah, I got beat on this play. I wish I had that one back where there's other guys where it's like, you know, just kind of – there's yeah, no flat. emotions yeah, there. Yeah. So the guys that get to the edge of the seat, they show it, you feel it. You're like, all right, jump in the car, let's go back to Chicago. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. That is Ryan Poles. Always good to hear from him, and he's been making the rounds. We heard he's, a lot from him. Yeah, we've heard a ton. And not to just keep on belaboring that idea, but it's fine. We we like accessibility. We no like question. cooperation. Communication, oh, it's great. We recommend it. We live it. I just think that it's very indicative of how things have changed. When you do have the general manager, of the NFL team that has the first overall pick being as open about what he is sure that he can get by trading it. I'm just going to repeat this for emphasis on Peter King on pro football talk. And we'll talk to Mike Florio in a bit about this quote, Ryan polls. No one's going to rush me. I know I can get a 24 one and a 25 one. You're telling me for the next two years I'll have two ones? That's either four really good players, or if we're cruising, we can still trade back. Hmm. That's confidence. Yeah, that's confidence. That is somebody who has now set himself up to having to back up the big talk because if they don't get a first-round tra- draft pick in 24 and 25, what happened? Some, what, what, what happened? Because that is the – transaction that's the compensation that you now have established as the bar Hmm. and and i and i do believe this molly and i and i probably overstated this earlier dave did a nice job of maybe checking me here i do think that a, a result of that desire or a byproduct of however you want to describe it you're protecting yourself from the possibility, from from Justin Fields not being everything that you think that he can be. If he takes a step backward in 2023 and he's not the quarterback that you believe he can be, which I don't, I I think he's going to be, but you're protected. You're going to, you would have two number one picks in the next two drafts, two first round picks in the next two drafts, which you could move up and get a quarterback if you prefer a new one. 
I do think that's the reality of having the picks that you plan to accumulate. And Ryan Poles is sure that it, it will be coming his way. Yeah, I I, uh, I find it really um, – I, I think it's just a great opportunity. I think that we've always felt that way, and it's happening as we uh, sit here and pick it apart. And I don't know that there's any way to feel bad about it. Now, like once the deal is made and the reality sets in – then you gotta you gotta start wondering about well how you know how are they going to use this how are they going to manipulate that you know dra- the draft and draft picks are king and you know we know that they um, they did not keep their second round pick they traded it for Chase Claypool and you hope that that Claypool will live up to that designation because it is the thirty second pick in the draft but as you look at you know. There are, like, the 40 times with receivers are pretty unbelievable, and there are a lot of them, and there are speed guys that you can get. I don't know know if you're going to get the same sort of balance to a guy's profile as you see in Chase Claypool. I also don't know how much better Claypool's going to get. I was told by someone when they made that deal that it was going to be hard for him to learn the offense quickly, that it's a more complicated scheme, and – that it would take a while for there to be an impact and to prepare yourself for that. And it did. And it has. And it, and it, it will it, it's ongoing. be something that we can't talk about next year because right. that won't be an excuse. No. He won't have that crutch. No. no. Here's what's interesting, too, Molly, because you mentioned Claypool. We spent a lot of time talking about edge rushers and defensive tackles and the depth in this draft. In free agency, we're talking about offensive tackles and defensive linemen and, and outside linebackers. We really haven't spent a lot of time in talking about what the Bears are going to do with the wide receiver position this offseason and, frankly, what their realities are at the running back spot because they have a decision to make with David Montgomery. And his price probably, I, theoretically, went up because of the Tony Pollard was uh, tagged yesterday. Josh Jacobs was yes. tagged yesterday. Yes. It's a good year to be a free agent running back if you're yes. David Montgomery. Where does that leave the Bears? Because we could talk all we want, and we are old-school football guys about building for the ball line out, but at some point in time, the weapons matter too. Well, Where the, are they coming from? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if this draft you, – you, you can't do everything in this draft. I'm not even sure you can address every need this offseason, but I'm curious what is going to be the position that gets most neglected or gets left out while we're scurrying to get that left tackle and buying that defensive tackle and drafting that edge rusher or whatever the case may be, where are you going to be short? And where are you still going to need more? I don't know that. I I wonder, and I guess maybe you mentioning Claypool makes me fear that it's going to be wide receiver because we really haven't talked a lot about that, and we haven't heard them talk about it. Or tight end. I'm less concerned about that. I know you are. I know you don't care about it, but I'm saying – Usually, if you don't have wide receivers, you need an extra tight I don't. Back. It's not that I don't care about it. I, I you do, just literally I, said I, I don't care about I, it. I, 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 I don't know if I said I don't care about that. I think I – Cole Komet gives you at least somebody that you feel good about. I, I, and and how, how good you feel about him, I guess, depends on your perspective. But, no, that's a point well taken. You know what also makes it interesting, Molly, is that this is a very deep year for tight ends in the draft. 
So you you want to be sure that you're not passing up on an opportunity to compliment him or even get somebody that you could project to be any better. They're not going to draft a tight end that high, I don't believe. I'd be really surprised. No, I don't think so. No. I, I, and listen, I'm not – I'm just saying, you know, you ask about different positions. Um, where are they going to come up short? Let's hope it's not on the defensive line. Let's hope it's not on the offensive line. They, those are the positions that they need to build immediately. Let's hope that uh, that by the time this thing's over, they've got a linebacker signed and another one that they draft, and then maybe they could go with their undrafted guys. Let's hope that they are kind of addressing the main issues that they've had now because, quite frankly, they don't have a team to go to battle with right now. They don't have a front seven. They need to help that. But they also, you know, you're, you're going to help your offensive line a ton if you spend some money in free agency here. And I don't see any reason you shouldn't. I agree with what Coach Wanstead said. If Ryan Poles was there when they pursued Orlando Brown and they they had some element to him that they did like or didn't like, whatever it might be, if that's not still there, if, the, if he feels that, that he's changed, then then that's fine. You know, he should be able to make that call and should be able to figure it out. But, I mean, again, they've got so much that they need that you could take some pressure off of the draft by addressing some of these needs right now. And some of that may be coming from players who are discarded. And I, I wanted to follow up because you mentioned earlier the Vikings are in the midst of kind of a purge. They're getting rid of a couple players. and. I think that it's interesting to see the quality, the guys they get rid of, how much will they have left. I mentioned Adam Thielen as a guy that is still, you know, productive, but what do you expect from him moving forward? If he's on the street, would he be somebody that you would, you know, want to pursue? Do you think there's value in in seeing what he has left? Um, Personally, I think, you know, he's a – he he was a remarkable possession receiver and he was very productive. I think he's I think he's taken some hits and he slowed down a little bit. I didn't see the same production from him. So I, I'm not too excited about that. Kyle uh, Rudolph, you know, was a disappointment there in Minnesota. They gave him big money and they thought they had something there and it didn't really pan out for them. He's probably going to be on the street. I might be more inclined to go for a guy like that than a guy like Harrison Smith, who I think's thirty-four, and there, I, you know, I understand. I just don't know that that's a big need. That you know, you might be okay. At uh, did at it? The did you see position. this coming with the Vikings? I guess that maybe caught me a little off guard that well, they would have to shed as many veterans as they seem that had to it, have to shed this off season. You know, I, I, what I was told when I was talking about uh, is that they they are really up against the salary cap, and that there were going to be some harsh decisions that had to be made. And they want to, you know, they got a new general manager. Yep. They won last year. They want to be younger. It, that don't, don't doesn't the world doesn't everybody? Yeah. Don't we all? That's right. I, but I think what's really interesting is that then big picture wise, you see the Vikings and what they're doing and maybe coming back. You see the Packers maybe going to Jordan Love. We know what the Lions are on the verge of. If you're the Bears and you're planning for the future, as Dave Wanstead said, can you afford to sacrifice a season? Another one. Right. He's a coach. He's not sacrificing a, a, a possession, no, no. You know, but I think that big picture wise, you have to ask yourself, where is this headed? 
and what is our opportunity? How great is it? Do we need to worry about winning next year, or are we going to try to position ourselves for years to come? Well, you know, obviously they're going to try to position themselves for years. As everybody comes back to you, though. But the problem that you have is that, you know, as as Dave says, like certainly a coach can't think that way. You know, the coach's job is to win now. The, G, the GM's job is to protect the team from the coach. It's, I know what that I love sounds, when you say that. But it's that's, true. That, it's so that true. is the NFL. Yeah, and, it is. And, um, and the coach needs to figure it's out a way sport. to win. And they've got to throw him a bone or two so he can win. And we got to find out how good a coach he is. And I think there's a lot of unknowns that need to be resolved. Um, it's going to take him a couple of years to get enough talent in this group. They lost 14 games. I mean, are we not? Are we going to pretend like that didn't happen? They tried hard. They were close in a lot of games. They lost 14 games. That's a that's a team record. Wow, that's pretty awful. And you can't go it, do that again. It, it, and I don't it know. It was the most can, fun, miserable season ever. No question. In Chicago, but it's time to get better, and it should start fairly soon. Please God. All right. I know a lot of people want to check in, and we're going to get to all your calls. But we got Mike Florio next. It's Mully and Hall at Chicago Sports Radio 670 Score. Mike Florio, ProFootballTalk.com, NBC Sports, Twitter.com slash ProFootballTalk. Day by day, day by day, we get better and better. better, better. We can't be beat. We can't be beat. We can't be beat. NFL insider Mike Florio with Mully and Hall on 670 The Score. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We love our opportunity to talk to Mike Florio, and he joins us now on The Score Hotline, brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Michael, good morning. How are you? Doing great, guys. How are you today? We're doing well, and we're contemplating, uh, you know, the the kind of uh, – Final day, tag day, if you will, uh, the final opportunity to tag players. And it seems as if Orlando Brown is going to be available. And, you know, the Bears, he would immediately be the best tackle on this team. But he'd be the best tackle on a lot of teams. Um, I don't know how they view him, what they think of him. Certainly, Ryan Poles was there in Kansas City and should have some insight. So, I, I, I just don't know what to expect. But I'm sure there'll be a lot of interest around the league. He really is amazing to me. You don't find high-end left tackles uh, anywhere. Usually you have to draft them and develop them. Every once in a while, it'll be some guy who's like a tight end in college who they put a lot of weight on, and he ends up being a very agile left tackle. It's not easy to find a guy who's great at the position. Now, the Chiefs didn't want to pay $20 million for one more year with Orlando Brown because that's what it would have been. This is the Kirk Cousins franchise tag pass. You get tagged twice. And then the third year is quarterback money. You're not going to be tagged a third time. So that was Orlando Brown's leverage against the tag. So they just decided, screw it. We'll pretend it's 2024 and we won't tag you. But, you know, there's a dynamic that we've seen over the past 30 years where a Super Bowl champion gets raided. You want to knock down the Chiefs if you can. Somebody's going to pay a premium to Orlando Brown in part to get him away from the Chiefs. And I think this is a hell of a risk by the Chiefs because look how bad that offensive line was in 2021, 2020, God, my years, I'm getting my DATD. It's impossible. They're all, the pandemic is like compressed time. Uh, but the, the year that they lost to the Buccaneers, 2020, 
the year they lost to the Bucks, how bad the offensive line was and what they had to do to recommit and rededicate. And Orlando Brown was part of that. So you better have a plan at left tackle. It's easy to say, well, we need a long-term plan at left tackle. We don't want the guy who's going to be here for just one more year. Okay, fine, great. What's your plan? Because you're drafting at the bottom of round one. Where are you going to find a left tackle? So I think that's a real concern. And I wonder if they're hoping, you know, because I think there's a dynamic, guys, that, that Patrick Mahomes can attract free agents who would take less to play with him. Will Orlando Brown take less than he can get elsewhere to stay with Patrick Mahomes? I, th- I think that's part of this, this analysis as well that the Chiefs are engaging in, maybe banking on the fact that Brown would give a discount to stay in Kansas City. Speaking of plans, Mike, the New York Post says the Jets' plan A is for Aaron, and Aaron Rodgers, according to Trey Wingo, had talked to the Jets on Monday. What do you make of that and that possibility? I'm very disappointed in the collective NFL media. We were all in Indianapolis last week. How did we miss the middle step of that story that the Packers had given Aaron Rodgers permission to talk to other teams? Because you need that before he can talk to the Jets. And, and I don't know, maybe it was just the best-kept secret of Combine Week in Indianapolis, and I'm kind of being facetious, but I'm also being serious. That's a story that would have been a big deal. Think about it. Packers give Aaron Rodgers permission to talk to the Jets. Before he talks to the Jets, that should have been the story. So there's just something weird about it to me. And I don't mean any disrespect to Trey Ringo, but, but he's not a reporter. He was a host. And a lot of times what happens is, Folks who aren't reporters play reporter, and they put something out there that hasn't been properly vetted, and it could be wrong, frankly. Um, but uh, or or it, or it leaves out key information, like you know the Packers granted permission for this. It isn't just tampering; the Packers allowed the Jets to do it. But I feel like it's Aaron Rodgers or bust for the Jets, and I wonder whether Aaron Rodgers will go bust with the Jets in that media market with those expectations. It's going to be great coming through the door, but boy, it's going to get rocky pretty quickly. Uh, beyond, and, and look, here's the one simple fact, and I would be disappointed if he's not asked this question at his introductory press conference. You were on Pat McAfee's show earlier this year saying that Big Pharma is the reason why so many in the media vilify you, that they're, they're working at the behest of Big Pharma. Well, <laughs> How does it feel to be taking a paycheck from Johnson and Johnson heir Woody Johnson? <laughs> I love that. That's beautiful. Uh, yeah, you know, I, we were talking about it, and you know, God bless Aaron Rodgers. Is he interested in actually turning up and spending the off season trying to learn a team? And you know what I mean? Like, I, I great point. Be, yeah, awesome point. You're right. He's in the bare minimum phase of his career. He's in the I just work here phase of his career. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons the Packers don't want him at this point, if they truly don't want him, and a lot of people think they don't want him. Look at We talked about the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Look at last year, what Mahomes did once Tyreek Hill was traded and what Rodgers did once Devontae Adams was traded. Mahomes was all in, above and beyond, had his guys in Texas, took notes on what the receivers do well, and told Andy Reid about it. Rodgers was aloof, standoffish, and absent. And is it a coincidence that these new receivers who grew up in awe of Aaron Rodgers weren't sufficiently comfortable with him until November. And then they finally kicked it in, and they almost made the playoffs. How much better would they have been if Rodgers had behaved last offseason the way Mahomes did? And I think that's a fair point, and I think it's a, it's, it's a cautionary tale for the Jets or whoever else would end up with him. Mike, what's going on at Joe Mixon's home? A lot of headlines, a lot, uh, troubling story. What's, what's the latest? 
Yeah, there was a report overnight that there was a police response to shots fired. No arrests were made. There was something a few weeks back that bubbled up and then went away. There was a uh, an incident with a motorist. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stress and pressure right now on Joe Mixon. I, I think he could get cut or at least be put in a position where he's expected to take a significant reduction in his pay. He plays the position where you got guys every year coming out in the draft that the Bengals could find and pay a very low salary to do what Joe Mixon does, and they need cap space for T. Higgins, for Joe Burrow, for Jamar Chase, and you're going to have to allocate your dollars accordingly. They did it last year. They used the franchise tag to keep safety Jesse Bates around, drafted his replacement this year. They're not going to tag Bates again. They say, see you later. And I think that that's going to be the reality for these Bengals as they as they make Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase the nucleus. They're going to have to let some of these other key players go. Mike, we know that uh, there are some last-minute deals being discussed. Maybe Daniel Jones gets a contract. We don't know. We know his uh, representatives went to New York last night. Um, are you anticipating any surprises in the quarterback market? You know, we already saw Seattle sign their guy. We uh, we don't know if Lamar Jackson, which tags put on him. What, what are you anticipating before uh, – 3.30 Eastern time today. Well, and, and look, if I'm Daniel Jones at this point, unless the Giants are offering me a premium so that they'll have the tag for Saquon Barkley, I'm making them tag me. Because for his career, it's always good to get that first tag because the second tag means a better franchise tender than you'd have under your first tag. And the third tag is the, the, the 44% bump if you're a quarterback over whatever your cap number was the prior year. So at this stage of the game, I would say tag me unless they say, here's what our offer is today and here's what our offer becomes if you force us to tag you and we have to let Saquon Barkley go. Uh, the, the big question that I'll be watching today, which level of the franchise tag do the Baltimore Ravens use on Lamar Jackson? Because that right. will say plenty about what their attitude toward him is. Exclusive, $45 million this year, $54 million next year, $99 million over two years. That means they want to keep this guy. Non-exclusive, $32.4 this year, $38 next year, a $28 million difference over a two-year period. That means, hey, somebody out there, please sign this guy to an offer sheet so we can either match it or take your two first-round draft picks as compensation and say goodbye to Lamar Jackson. Thanks, Mike. Great stuff. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, guys. That is Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk. Non-exclusive tender would mean the Atlanta Falcons, come on down. Make <laughs> us an offer. Uh, we're going to talk to David Sampson. We're going to bring in – we're going to sh- switch gears a little bit. We're going to talk some baseball, and uh, a- and I'm very excited to talk to David. There's a lot of things to go over, and uh, a great man to do it with. It's Mully and Hall on the score.